Recent changes in the app stores are boon to mobile game developers. Now, you can sell in-game items and currencies with big savings on transaction fees. And Exola just added three new features to their web shop for mobile game solution to help you level up your monetization practices outside the app stores. The three solutions are subscriptions, analytics, and promotions. Now, subscriptions are a smart add to your mobile revenue strategy. They boost game revenue with predictability while maintaining a lawyer user base. Analytics give you data, and data has become fuel on which modern society runs. If you don't know your players, you won't know what they want or how to get them to click that buy button. Analyze your data so you can create critical piece of the purchasing puzzle. Finally, promotions allow you to easily reach out to opt-in players via email or Discord and other channels to bring them to your web shop on your website. You'll be able to generate new sales and keep more profit. To find how to get started, visit exola.pro slash mobile or go to the link in this podcast description. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Today, oh, first of all, let me introduce myself, your host, Mishka Katkov. Today, we're going to talk about art outsourcing and how to be a top G when, when, when outsourcing art. So, fantastic two guests. First, 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 and first time on the podcast, I got Silver Saramal, co founder and art director at Fantastic Vagabonds. Uh, an outsourcing company that works with the likes of uh, Metacore's Merge Mansion. I think, Silver, you've made all the characters for that game. We made, made it. it. Uh, works with Starberry. Antti Hattara, CEO of Starberry, has been on the podcast before. Uh, works the likes like Savage Game Studios, an up-and-coming <laughs> game studio. Um, before, before, uh, before Fantastic Vagabonds, you were the studio AD at Snowprint Studios. Uh, you, were, you were the, uh, the studio AD at Wooga's Black Anvil, their mid-core division, uh, and you started your career, like the ascension of your career started at Crytek, where you were a concept artist on games like Rise. So a uh, very impressive career in games and silver. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Miska. Long time listener, first time caller. It's been a long, long time dream of mine to be part of the Deconstructor family. Oh, welcome, welcome. And uh, and we got Shiraz, who's coming back on the podcast. And of course, I've worked with Shiraz. Um, one of my favorite 80s ever. Uh, I can't say the favorite because, you know, um, but, you know, I'll wink that way. Uh, <laughs> current 80 at Moon Active, a company that is printing money like the U.S. <laughs> Federal Reserve. Um, before that, 80 at Rovio, uh, 80 at King. And you started your career as the silver of India. So you were working at many outsourcing companies and you had your own outsourcing studio. So art outsourcing is some is kind of like your your um, your start in your career. So Shiraz, welcome da- back to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, by the way, just a little correction. I wasn't an AD at King. Um, I uh-huh. was a principal wisdom artist. Um, I joined Rovio as an art director later. But yeah, well, thank you so much. Just, those are just <laughs> titles. Listen, you were you were working with a lot of art, a lot of artists and showing them how to draw things with with that fantastic red red pen that the art directors use. So I call that an art director. <laughs> thank you so um, much. All right, so let's kick it off and and start talking about 
just overall arts or outsourcing and um in general why and when should a studio consider starting to outsource art um Chiros, would you like to start yeah sure so i think the why comes from uh, it's very hard for the studios to build a team which can keep working on project forever like there's so many specialized roles uh one of them being like concept art which is only mostly required in the early stages of project uh and then uh, it's hard for you to keep a talent for the whole calendar year or for long run overall where uh, those specialties are only needed for a certain time period and your project is going to mature and go to more phases so it just makes more sense to outsource where uh, you can hire a specialist and uh, get different kind of work done from them also most of the the art providers can really ramp up way quickly as compared to your own studio uh, finding talent in your own countries is hard and um, most of the vendors are uh, at countries where it's very easy to scale up uh, so this is also just more easier that you suddenly showed up had a requirement on your project you require maybe even 200 artists for example and those countries are able to do that so that's uh, also really benefits um of course there are more obvious things like tight schedules and deadlines and cost uh, cost savings uh, which are also there uh, apart from that i also feel the uh, because they are specialist in those outsourcing companies uh, they can raise the quality bar they can uh, create stuff even better than the benchmark that you can set uh, depends on the kind of company you're hiring so that's also very good um and then it allows your local talent your in-house artists to focus on more creative aspects of the project they are more in touch with the designers the product team the marketing team they understand the game more and they can use their creative skills to not just to sit and make assets but basically contribute on more aspects which can benefit the game overall and the studio overall um one more thing which is not really a why but more like a benefit i feel is if you're outsourcing then you're naturally your production development process becomes way more organized because you adopt the habit of um for example building pipeline document and uh, documenting your processes if you're not outsourcing then you sometimes like the whole project get done and you don't have five pdf that can talk about how the project is supposed to be created but if you're outsourcing uh, you basically have a bit more better processes and like documentation on your side got it so uh, a lot of a lot of reasons like you know i'm just going to kind of summarize it with um with just removing certain bottlenecks with the specialists uh your ability to really scale up or you know potentially scale down if need be uh, very effectively um when you're gunning for a certain deadline it's a, it's a, it's a good booster on the side uh cost being one element because hiring is very expensive you have to find the talent you have to train the talent um and and so forth um raising the bar overall for your art team if you want to get certain specialists like silver's team and they kind of come in and and bring something new that you weren't thinking about so that helps a lot um allows the team to focus on what is kind of the key for the art team while you can outsource a lot of uh sort of a, um how would i say bread and butter or meat and potato type of a work on on the side or something that you already know is just in the content treadmill um get new ideas that's one and then finally the uh, the documentation part uh silver anything that that uh that wasn't mentioned here that that you want to raise significantly like CRS could write a masterclass <laughs> on on why and how to outsource so i figured like my role today is to to kind of like ask why shouldn't you outsource and uh, uh, 
coming from a point of view of, of being a, a specialist myself who usually is, is brought in to, to fix a problem and then, you know, leave the nest tidy and let the, the project run on its own course. There's still many times that I work with like C-level and founder level people that I would say, no, you guys, you should not outsource uh, because the aims of the project do not align with aims of outsourcing. And one of the really big ones why you shouldn't outsource is that every time you do anything outside of the studio, you're not actually building your company value or your company culture and um, the talent inside the, the the company to handle these projects in the future you kind of like you you can you can, you can you can clean the problem away but if it's a fundamental problem of the company then then it will just come back and you'll end up being dependent on an outsourcing company that might not want to work with you in the future uh, so, so there, there are lots of things uh, to, to consider always mm on a high level strategy wise as well. I was taking note. So basically what you're saying is, which I, if I'm, if you're saying this, I agree. If you're not saying this, I want to understand better. Uh, so, so you're saying that you shouldn't outsource something that you technically couldn't do yourself. Uh, meaning that, that if you start outsourcing certain essential parts that you could, you could be and should be doing yourself, um, then you're, you don't have that competence and then you're reliant on the outsourcing partner and you're not really building your own capability. So as an example, I don't know, let's say, um, let's say you, you are building a game with characters and you're fully outsourcing the character development part where you don't have your own visual development artist or your own concept artist. You don't spend time on ideation. You just send, simply send uh, generic ideas from your designers to an outsourcing partner with certain specs and they spew, spew you out like these generic characters um, that, you know, is, is that kind of other thing? And then what you get is a generic result. Yeah, pretty much because um, there's no ownership mm-hmm. on, on on that side. But also, you know, what happens if that, that partner decides that they don't want to be your partner anymore? Like they get another no. client uh, and, and now you kind of like, your workflow is is cut completely and you can't pivot in in the speed that you would wish to go with and and what they normally don't even do is they don't do that what they do is they just step up with junior artists and remove the ones that you were working with initially so you're like why did the quality go down i'm working with the same partner yeah but with the different people and that's a that's a big difference um yes so so that's a that's a really really good point is is um Outsource only when you've kind of covered the key roles in your own team um, and that you know that you, that you have the people to run the outsourcing. Would that be a, a way to put it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a commitment. It's, you can't just hope that it happens on the mm-hmm. side. It will take you time uh, and focus and uh, a lot of thought to do it properly. And it's just the same amount of commitment than to any other member or a group of members joining your team it's just externally and uh and depending of the strategy of the company at that moment you're not investing into your own company you're investing into somebody else's company so that is also the you get something faster but you lose value and um and kind of like jumping to the next topic like when is the the right time to outsource or is any phase of game development a right time for our outsourcing meaning from early, um, let's say, concept development uh, slash prototyping, like not you shouldn't put art into prototypes, but 
uh, say like the early visual concept development of the game, the pre-production, the production, the live mode, are all of these phases ripe for outsourcing or would you kind of exclude certain phases? Well, every project is so different that I... Uh... That I couldn't say. I've, I've been in I don't know thirty plus projects, and every every one of them outsources in a different state, and uh, because everybody has a different team composition, um, so it, it really is like when you have such a critical point that you really cannot do anything else, or you need to keep momentum going. That's when you make the call. It's it's a case by case. Um, it's it's more of a you could say outsourcing is a is an is an art form rather than a a science. Mm, got it. So, Shiraz, let me let me ask you. Like, this would be like my process, and do tell me if I'm if I'm wrong regarding these mm-hmm. these different phases of development. So, uh, I would in the beginning, I would focus on getting uh, a very good visual development artist or a potentially art director who's really good at drawing, and that would be like the first hire that you need for a game team to start creating sketches about where you want to be going. At that point, already it would be nice to engage with either an outsourcing studio, preferably even with certain uh, individual source for hire, kind of like very unique type of uh, art station superstars who are focused on visual development because they have a very interesting style and they can help you to, uh, as you put in, kind of get out of the box and bring in new ideas, new looks. It might be something you're going towards. It might be something you won't be even going towards, but they help you to think differently and the art director is riffing with them while, all while the designers are thinking about the game, writing the documents, the programmers are putting in different uh, prototype assets, but the art director or the uh, visual development artist is kind of bouncing between with the game lead with, uh, with externals and, and really uh, figuring out the direction with a pen and with a little marketing campaign with friends from Geek Lab on the side. That will be the early phase. Uh, Shiraz, what do you think about that approach? Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's something which I realized uh, when I compared the games industry versus, for example, films and animation. Um, I think, well, animation industry also have those same stages where there's uh, early exploration, narratives are being written, stories are being written. And then there's this pre-production phase where uh, storyboards and character designs and model packets and stuff is made. Uh, and then they start with the actual animation, be it 2D, 3D or whatever animation form. In the animation industry, there's a longer length for pre-production schedule-wise. Like uh, mm-hmm. you get more months, and uh, you invest a lot into figuring out your art style. When it comes to game, uh, beat mobile game, I'm more familiar with those as compared to consoles and stuff. There's relatively a very small schedule that you have at your hand. That's the reason because most companies which are developing games, uh, unless they're really investing onto creating something so unique and different. Mm-hmm. They have a genre mastery on that kind of like direction, that kind of game that they want to do. They also know their reference. So it's very easy for them to immediately from prototyping to push to production. And it leaves about like just two, three months for the art director and the visdev artist to come up with like various directions of style explorations and things which mm-hmm. can set for the whole production. And in that case, if for example, if your visdev artist is just comfortable with one style, uh, maybe they might just end up because of the time schedule to only explore in a certain direction. But if you outsource at that point of time, then you can reach out to a bigger company, for example, and tell them that, hey, like this is our vision and we want to create three examples of splash screen that can show us the key art and could you try them in three different styles, for example. And then in a limited time frame of these just two weeks and three weeks, 
uh, you can probably get like more uh, broader explorations um, mm. uh, for for all your market tests and stuff like that in the beginning. Yeah, and I yeah, that's a really good example of of solving a million dollar problem because you know that that there will define your company's uh, production plan for the next couple of years. If it yeah, and well. I wanted to give a shout out to to Silver's team, like Silver's, um, like you you essentially allow to outsource almost like art direction at the beginning. Uh, so, so when you come in and, and we didn't mention like your co-founder is your wife. So that's a, that's a, you're, you're in for life for this company. Uh, so, um, so anyway, so um, what you guys do is you do a lot of documentation as, as Shiraz mentioned, and that, that is really helpful because sometimes when you're in this early phase and you're trying to figure out what your game will look like, you don't even spend as much time in doing documentation. Or if you don't have an art director that is, um, you know, that has the uh, the experience of doing these art documents, uh, it's it's actually really good to engage with uh, with the companies like like Vagabonds uh, that help with uh, with documenting documenting that stuff. Just giving you a shout out. Um, anyway, so uh, so with the uh, with the pre production phase, uh, let's go with that. And like typically at this point. What I would like to see from from the art director is that they have tested the art outsourcer and found the the the, the you know the main art outsourcing partner. So if you used freelancers in the in the first phase, in the pre production you have to already have tested with creating assets not only as a team, uh, but you've also used your your outsourcing partner maybe tested two to three different versions and found the one you want to be working with, established a working relationship. And now, as the, as you move into production, you know that you can scale up with them um, comfortably. Is that the uh, the the kind of role of outsourcing in in pre production? Uh, I, I could go. Uh, so on, on pre production, I still believe that's like if you're really comparing the uh, pre prototyping to production and live. I think pre production is the phase where you you actually use less of external vendors and it's best that you try it in-house a bit more mm-hmm. so that you are ending up choosing a pipeline where you have your own experts and the art directors in-house uh, so you can relay the feedback and uh, things like that. However, like you said, you can create some assets and then with the help of externals, you can try and validate your pipeline. So uh, because in the first asset creation, maybe it's definitely going to take a bit longer. So what you can do is you can validate creating five more assets with the help of an external vendor and try out whether the modeling cycle, the uh, rigging cycle and animation cycle and technical aspects and everything uh, are working according to how we are planning the schedule. And you can validate your pipeline with the help of uh, outsourcing at that point of time. Yeah. Yeah, this really depends on what kind of a studio size we're talking about outsourcing as well. Like uh, my studio is a, is a is a boutique solutions. We're kind of like the, the hitmen that come to help out in critical moments. Uh, so so we usually help out either in the pre production or post production. Really, like uh, so in pre production, if if you know the internal team just hasn't had a chance to to get that concept artist that can do multiple styles or figure out a style or you know everything's going in a loop we spent two months already and there hasn't been a decision and you just need someone to come in and make a decision and package it nicely that's you know we come in it's done and and uh, we, the project can move on to 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 production then and that's when you need a bigger size company mm-hmm. than mine to a really big one that that has the guns to 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 get the the game out in, in the schedule needed and then usually we come back in uh post production when you know you have all the game but it's it's a mess and people have worked on it for two or three iterations mm-hmm. and like 
it doesn't make sense and people are not uh, like the team is not internally agreeing what it should be and it needs kind of like a, like a new brush strokes of branding and uh, and and uh, consistency art direction to, to put it all back together and, and kind of uh, bring new new clothes to it essentially and, and um, that's where for kind of like a smaller, very veteran team can help out. Again mm, well. Kind of refocus the team. And by the way, Silver, when you guys come yeah. over uh, with your group of assassins in, in let's say, pre-production stage, do you at that point, well, when you you know you help the team, you, you get you get them on board, but do you at that point also review kind of the, the team composure? Because oftentimes, quite oftentimes, actually, in my experience, game leads don't know how to work with art directors or haven't worked with art directors before and don't you know I, I remember working with properly with an art director for the first time where the art director actually starts reporting to you and not being an appear and they don't have an ex they don't know they don't they don't know even what to ask so do you help them at that point to kind of review the team a little bit and and uh, give them a little feedback on how they could restructure their core art team yeah but, uh, yeah 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 of course um so my best experience in the industry was working side by side uh, with a, with a DreamWorks art director who who came to Crytek for for a little while to help us out, and uh, it blew my mind because the, the amount of professionalism when it came to not only managing product and art teams at the same time, uh, it, it was very educational, and it's it's very rare to to have that sort of. Uh, chances to learn that in, in the industry unless unless you're in the same space or, or working with somebody who, who can talk to both product and art at the same time. Usually art directors focus is so much in making sure that the art looks pretty, that it becomes almost neurotic and, and, uh, and forgets the, 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 the needs of the, the product and the, the financial needs of the company as well. Um, so, so when you do have someone who can can't gap that it's good and occasionally the artist will also learn from that and, and try to fill that role afterwards yeah yeah yeah. that's that's an absolutely you know uh, a challenging thing like there's so the, the the most challenging thing about art directors is that it's um it's a well-known title but there are so many different people that have this title with so many different backgrounds and so very, very different ways of working. It's almost like saying a game lead or a game director. Like every one of those is very different. So that makes also working with our directors, or especially if it's the first time that our director is reporting to you uh, and you're a game director, it makes it very difficult because you might have experience with working with certain type of an art director that has certain type of experience. So let's say you work even on a live game and the art director there was more production focused person, not really raw. And then suddenly you're put in together with a different type of an art director who maybe is coming from the concept background or uh, lo and behold has a graphical design background, which is, <laughs> I'm not going to say catastrophic, but problematic oftentimes. <laughs> uh, and then, and then you end up in a situation where, um, where the ways of working are just totally different and that creates a lot of problems. So, um, do you, yeah, just um, anyway, just uh, yeah, we we have so many different yeah. titles from from head of art to 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 the game art director to outsourcing art director to um, you know brand art yeah. director as well. And so it, it can really depend on on the function and uh, 
mobile games are so small teams that one person is expected to do everything. Um, but the chances of having that team member who is uh, capable of doing all these different parts is also difficult. So it's, it's up to the art director to be very capable in pre-communicating what are the, the, the parts where they might need help. And in, in your experience, like both of you, what is the best type of a kind of a, I don't know, upbringing, it's not upbringing, the, uh, the career path for an art director that is really good with outsourcing partner? Is it the art director that comes from the concept background? Is it the art director that comes from a t- 3D technical background? Is it an art director that comes from production background? Uh, or what kind of an art director back? Is there a specific or is just, uh, uh, Shiraz, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, um, I think anyone from any specialization can fit in. There are a few more traits which are needed, like um, one of them being organized, for example, like how how well you can document stuff, how well you can communicate, uh, how well are you worse with uh, explaining your processes and things and your expectations uh, with the other people. Um, so that, that's definitely needed. Like if you, I mean, if you are not able to make good documentation and, uh, the vendors are still unclear and you can't answer the questions, uh, it might just make it hard, no matter whatever your specialty is. Uh, also one of the things that I have seen as discussion in, uh, my previous companies where we have rated those people as better art directors who are not being biased on their own internal teams and, um, having the same amount of um, um, care and inclusiveness for externals. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example. I've seen that there have been some people who, who would probably fa- favor more of their own in-house artists, uh, even ignore some of their art mistakes and stuff, uh, just because they are more friends to them, like they're their mm-hmm. own team, they work together, all of their thing, and they're super brutal and strict on externals when they're doing stuff. Um, it might not happen with everyone, but sometimes there can be these cases. And this is where you need to know that you are um, you are basically being fair with everyone uh, and especially mm-hmm. taking more care uh, because there's a lot of information that you would know on working on your own project, which definitely the externals might not know. So they require uh, even more attention, um, in my words. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, uh, it's, it's very easy to think of external partners as... as like you, you lose humanity in them because you don't work with them in a in a in this like random channels. You just have the professional kind of you get stuff and you give the feedback, but you don't know them at all on a personal level, and you don't have to adjust your own behavior to make sure that socially you're making you know they are doing well, um, which quite often grows resentment actually from the external artist side over time, and uh, if their motivation and morale is in, not in it. You're not going to get great work, and they're going to start looking just with mm. you know either projects or companies, and then uh, or then you get the junior artists switched into it, and uh, so it's a it's it's a it's it's very big part of like doesn't matter what the, the the initial artistic skill behind the outsourcing art directors is, it's it's important to remember that the. the to be a human being that's tough for many art art directors so not only do they have to be nice internally but you're asking them to be also nice externally i don't even know how they're gonna blow off steam anymore (laughs) i know it's and it's it's very hard to be an art director because every artist is extremely fickle Uh and very judgmental towards 
the art director they work for as well. So you're under constant peer valuation and uh, is your feedback valid anymore? You know, like if you can't paint, maybe you're not a great artist anymore. Maybe your feedback is shit. And uh, so it really depends on. Uh, on yeah, I, I, well, you're absolutely right. Like I've, I've had to let go once an art director because the team that the art director brought in and had worked with before um, they're all they were all senior and the art director was really good revolted against the art director <laughs> at one point and said it's either him or us and that was uh that was i've never seen that before it was like from the old sailor stories where they throw out the captain overboard and say we're gonna go different direction <laughs> and um you know all of them were fantastic uh individuals even the art director who left is still a fantastic art director but um but um as you said artists are very fickle and the more experienced they become the less shit they take uh so, so that's a that's a that's a challenge with uh with uh with experienced art teams but i remember being a junior concept artist and uh, revolting with the team against our art lead as well yeah. it was like we got the animators together the 3d artists together and we just uh, went to product and said that no we're not being let yeah well. that's so, uh <laughs> that can happen never let <laughs> so, again uh in my humble experience of 13 years in games this is the number one title of of uh that that I've had to let go from all the companies so it's uh, it's the weirdest uh, but also, when you find a good art director, you want to keep them no matter what. It's a, it's it's a it's a fit question. It's a it's a challenging one. But as you said, like even even the great ones get sometimes um, you know the team revolts on them. So hard hard stuff. Um, okay, but let's talk about <laughs> not, we're steering away. So um, learning point: when you have an art director who runs art outsourcing, make sure that that art director is not an asshole. Very important point. Uh, okay, so. Um, how do you find then the right outsourcing partner? Like, do you, like, I know that on, let's say DOF Slack channel, there's once a while, there's a message like, Hey, does anybody have a good outsourcing partner? We're looking for this or that, or asks a reference about certain outsourcing partner, but uh, you're the art directors. Like, how do you go about finding an, or used to go about finding an art outsourcing partner? Um, Silver, can you start? It's a very nepotistic industry. It's like friends, their their uh, their opinion matters the most, and uh, because we know they're not gonna put us into a bad place. Uh, but that, of course, becomes problematic if one outsourcing company is doing a really good job. They're gonna get all the business because their reputation gets so good, and then they have to expand so fast that they can't serve all the the, the different studios that come after them anymore. Um, so. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like you could, as long as you have reputable um, recommendations behind it, and after that, you have to take it as any other relationship that you're building. That there will probably be failures along the way, and it's okay. And you just have to build the relationship going forward, uh, like you would with anybody else you hire inside, mm-hmm. uh, and you give them a chance, not just like, "Hey, ooh, it didn't work out for one month," you know, like got everything it's more like oh no no let's let's get together let's adjust and let's plan for the next two years so so basically find somebody who has a recommendation and invest into that relationship okay uh Shiraz, uh you have probably a long list uh no i think i mean like silver said i think um the most uh most common one is basically referrals from from mm-hmm. your friends or your peers like the first thing that you do is when you're in a studio or in any company, you just go and ask around and ask like, 
Uh, do you have any reference for uh, the kind of companies that we can work with? Some of the companies like which you have joined have already worked with some people before. Um, but one of the things which I do is I sometimes maintain my own out- outsourcing list. Uh, it's constantly expanding as people reach out to me on LinkedIn and uh, they offer their services. Sometimes if I have some time, I go over uh, their portfolios and tag them into my, my outsourcing list uh, to use in the future. Um, and it has been helpful for me. Uh, there was a moment when I was at Rovio and we were trying to find uh, who can we work with. And it was just easy for me to go over the list. And I didn't have any preference on who to outsource based on my own past experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we chose a couple of those. Um, also, um, there's something called an XDS event, which is an external development summit. It happens in Canada. And uh, it's a game, uh, game industry event related to external vendors. Uh, so there's a lot of gathering of uh, companies which are coming over and offering services. It's like a GDC for external vendors, uh, kind of like thing. So if you're really looking for partners and you don't know who to hire, you could go over and attend that event. And I haven't been that, so I don't know how that is. But uh, that's something which I've got to know from uh, one of my uh, previous line manager, Anandu Banerjee from India. And he mentioned that it's a good event and they generally participate because there are vendors there. So uh, mm-hmm. that's also quite nice. Um so yeah, and uh, what I also know is maybe some bigger companies, they also create outsourcing portals on their website. So for example, if you're a service provider, you could just uh, go to their website, fill in the form and uh, enroll yourself as a potential service provider. And then they have their own uh, database where they're maintaining it, it's just like applying for, or for a job. Uh, and then they review you and probably consider you for next projects. Hmm. Um. And um, what what about what about things like language, time zones, the type of style these are these these studios have, uh, the type of game studios they've worked with, price. Um, what about that? Like, do those come into uh, account? Uh, yeah. So the biggest decision is you have to make is: Are you looking for more like solution providers or mm-hmm. asset creators? Uh, because If you're looking for solution provider, you would probably want to go to a company which can do more communication with you back and forth. Uh, They can own that project as much as you and offer Mm -hmm. solutions. And then the other one is where you clearly know what your roadmap is. You have some benchmark assets and you just want 200 more produced and uh, you provide them the documentation. You agree on a schedule and get the work done. So this will define on the kind of partners that you can rope in with. Um, As far as the time zone is concerned, again, like... uh, depending on how many conversations you need to make, how much of detours you need to take on your project and a lot of uncertainty. In that case, it's a bit more preferable that you can have more calls with them and the provider is more on the same time zone and or else have a flexibility when they're available more for calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, if your plan is clear, you clearly know what you need to do, then this kind of like follow the sun kind of like loop works better where you are in the day and you are looking at 200 assets being delivered. You are so supposed to send feedback by the end of the day. And then once you're gone, they work on your reviews or new assets. And then 12 hours later, they send you the next stuff. So the cycle between like America and India kind of like time difference really works uh, pretty well. That, that makes that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say you're kicking off art outsourcing. Uh, what does the uh, internal team have to look like? Now, um, typically the way I've, try to approach this is um, to have the sort of a, you know, the, how do I put it? The skeleton crew or all the, uh, all the 
elements of your art production are man. So if you're doing characters, then then you have to have an AD, you have to have a concept, you have to have a 3D, you have to have a technical artist, you have to have a, um, you know, well, 3D for environment, 3D for characters, uh, you have to have animation, and those are all internally. So you're able to make a character in an environment yourself, and then only at that point can you move into an outsourcing phase because you've known how do you make your own characters, uh, your own environment, and now even this sort of a um, crew of five to six people can actually uh, be scaled up to 25 because they can do in parallel several characters where one 3D artist is modeling their character, but actually looking also at two different characters being modeled at the same time and giving them feedback. And that is happening at every uh, station as the uh, as as that goes through. Is this the type of a way of thinking or can it be different ways? Um, Silver, if you could start. There's going to be a lot of questions uh, coming in your way once you start outsourcing. So the most important thing is that you need to have a committed person for all this time to, to, to like take take on any fires that come up. Um, I totally agree with you. Like you need to also know how to implement these characters or how, how to do a character by self before you can tell someone else how to do it. Unless your strategy is that, no, you guys figure it out. We'll just implement whatever you want to put in there. And that sometimes happens. It's like you can go and say, hey, we want a supercell copy style, um, you know, you figure it out. That's all up to you. But but it's very rare, and it it creates a lot of uh, critical risk points at the moment, like with implementation and the technical sides of it. So it's not advisable, and that's why games aren't usually made that way. Um, but but yeah, the most important uh, person is someone to 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 navigate all these things to answer any questions that the, the, the partner might ask. Yeah, I mean, uh, once you start outsourcing. The costs start going pretty fast. The amount of content starts flying in. Uh, if you don't have anybody who's in control of that, you're just going to end up losing a lot of money in a very short amount of time and just getting a bunch of assets in return that you're not going to use in your game. I've seen that happen uh, one too many times. Uh, Shiraz, when, when you think about the uh, the sort of critical roles in a team that is uh, outsourcing art, what will be those roles? I mean, we spoke about the art director and the role already, like you mentioned about it, like the, mm-hmm. the person who has the experience and, and then how to communicate and set expectation. I think apart from that, there are a few a few more roles uh, in the art team as well as in your studio, which are sometimes important depending on the kind of outsourcing you're doing. Like having an art producer is super beneficial. I have always relied on having an uh, art producer alongside with me who's basically doing all that kind of like legal paperwork, setting up contracts, um, agreeing on NDAs with with the companies, and uh, for example, also like scheduling these meetings and uh, preparing a delivery schedule, uh, like the expectations. Uh, also, there are so many things to take care of, like when is the holiday calendar for the the company which is going to work for you, uh, and you time accordingly, so you know already when your holidays are coming. You know your own holidays, and you can communicate that to the company and tell them that hey, we are going to be absent on these days, and don't expect feedback. So. Planning is more efficient that way. Um, also, you yeah. yeah, sorry. No, that that just happened to 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 my company a little while ago that the client didn't tell us. So. <laughs> it was yeah. uh, it was uh, mildly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
must be a yeah. Finnish company because if if they were on a holiday and everything was closed down, that sounds like a Nordic company at least. <laughs> I say nothing. <laughs> please, yeah, please go on, Josh. <laughs> go on, Josh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, I mean, of course, like we mentioned, that there should be a couple of experts in in your studio at least who are who are there, and uh, even if like it's all supervision of work there are so many things that you have to do you have to answer complex questions uh, coming from the solution providers who are asking about process or stuff like that um, you can also sense some dip in quality so if there's some drop in quality from the provider side it's your expert in house who can tell you that hey we feel that this is what's not working now and we need to fix it um, so that helps in giving more appropriate feedback uh, also the vendors can sometimes take the art to the 90% satisfaction level at a very fast pace, but then the last 10% uh, to get it perfect, it can take too much of back and forth. Sometimes it can take the same amount of time it took in order to do the 90%. And in those cases, I prefer we just announce that as approved, ask them to deliver the file, and then fix those things internally. Like that's, that's the best thing to do. Uh, so therefore also having an expert in-house is good. Um, then obviously there's an IT guy, if there's some pipeline and your version control system that someone has to follow and providing them the tools and stuff and making sure that licenses are in place. All those things are handled by IT people. So that, uh, that's generally also required. And depending on whether you need a translator or not, like uh, if it's a Japanese company that you're working with and stuff like that, uh, then they would probably prefer to have a translator in-house who can uh, help with any kind of like cultural or uh, language related barriers. Yeah. Yeah. Art producer is, is good that you mentioned that that person is, is very much needed, especially during a, during a point where, where work really scales up and the art director is being torn to all the different directions. Now they have so many, so many elements. The game is probably already in production or heading in production. And, and if they don't have anybody, you know, helping them out with schedules and emails and all that stuff, then they don't have time to actually, you know, art direct. So uh, very, very good point. Um, you know, we've talked about all those things. Like I'm, I'm, I'm always curious about the, uh, the pitfalls or like the biggest mistakes you've seen, uh, not naming any names, <laughs> but, but, uh, but like there's, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with art sourcing because oftentimes people who haven't done art outsourcing before, or maybe have done once and it went really, really well. Uh, they kind of see it as, um, as a, I don't know, McDonald's, you just go in and order some art and it comes out and, and that's good enough and everything is, is hunky-dory. But oftentimes what I've seen is is just a lot of waste of time, uh, a lot of waste of efforts and, and a lot of waste of money, uh, sometimes of hundreds of thousands, uh, when somebody pushes this acceleration button without having really the rig that you can accelerate. So things are not done, but you want to rush, you want to put stuff in. And then that rushing just costs you time and money. So uh, I'm curious to to hear about about like what are some of the pitfalls when outsourcing art? Uh, share us if we start with you. Uh, with me? Yeah. Uh, all right. Sure. Um, yeah, sure. So one of the things which I I, I see most commonly happen is uh, the providers lose talent uh, who got them the gig. Uh, obviously, it's like a competitive industry. There might be more uh, career opportunities for good talent. Uh, even in the countries that they are working for, from, and uh, they would easily switch job. And the people who actually got you that project, they are no no longer in the company. 
Um, so that that also brings in a lot of drop in quality. Uh, sometimes like the like in, in every provider company, there's like a team A and team B. So the A team is the best people who are who are very good with work, and then there's a team B. And most commonly, what happens is team A is put in at the early stages of the project when you are building a relationship with the client and trying to make them happy, put in things into schedule. Even the ADs are more watchful about the quality and all, so it's better to have team A in there. And then after you have built in some relationship, things are ongoing, you put that team A into new uh, relations and new projects, and then team B comes in. And that's where also some quality drop happens, uh, which is uh, very common to, uh, to take place. Uh, another pitfall I feel is uh, that most of these uh, outsourcing companies, they're a bit hesitant to deliver something out of the box. Uh, they generally tend to follow what have been instructed to them. Uh, they fear about, and even the processes are not so flexible, like everything is on schedule. Uh, the whole uh, operation for business and success commercially is driven by the plan of how work is being done. So the artists do not have the freedom on the those side on the companies that they can try something different other than what's expected because that would just create a new task and a new initiative to be taken care of and it might not probably get approved. So something out of the box is a bit hard to receive from uh, from the vendors in my opinion. And uh, another pitfall is definitely not asking early questions and making a lot of assumptions. Uh, so that also creates some, some confusion and uh, something that could have been simply uh, got figured out by asking a question. Uh, taken as an assumption, assumption and uh, get done is uh, also a problem that happens. And one more problem which I've seen happen is uh, there is always a bit of risk of use of illegal softwares and things which are not uh, uh, acceptable at work and getting done. Like it's hard to uh, monitor whether everyone on the vendor side is using the right tools and using legal softwares. And tomorrow, if an asset got made from um, like, for example, by an Autodesk tool and Autodesk recognizes uh, that this uh, this was made in a uh, pirated software, uh, then you are at uh, at a big trouble. So that that's also one of the, the challenges. Or maybe someone using an art from the internet and overpainting on top uh, and then just sending it over and it has a watermark or whatnot. Or maybe like fonts or something used as a typography somewhere and uh, those fonts were not meant for commercializing. So monitoring those things is a bit hard um, and security-wise, it's also a bit difficult. And those are also one of the pitfalls. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask another question. Like, how do you make sure that the team A stays on the project? Is it that you, like, is it through, like, you just ask for di direct communication with with the artists who you work with? Or, or like, how do you make sure? Uh, if they're gonna switch to a new thing, they will. Uh, they're gonna do that. I mean, it's a relationship that you can build with the with the client, and they can tell them that okay, uh, it's understandable. You're gonna do that. Let's make sure that the second team, which is gonna come over in next days, they get properly trained from this A team. They understand so that transition uh, and the knowledge and everything is smooth on the and the vendor side and. Uh, even if you are paying well and everything, like um, they they require more clients and they they want to develop mm -hmm. more and more, so they're going to do that, I believe. Got it. Yeah, every vendor has to to make sure that they're also building team in house as well, and and uh, the only way you can build the junior artists is to put them in the fire, and uh, it's it's you, you can't plan for it really well because no client wants that, but uh, 
you, you have your own uh, ecosystem to take care of as well. Mm. And, and Silver, uh, since you're working now as an outsourcer with partners, so from your perspective, um, what are the pitfalls that you're seeing, you know, that, that are happening? Well, there are a couple of things that come to my mind. Uh, one of the more important ones feels that quite often whoever is responsible for the outsourcing, it seems like they don't actually want to be doing that job. Mm. Like it sometimes happens that, you know, I don't know, art lead, art director wasn't doing so well. So product kind of like comes in and says, let's outsource, uh, you know, it's okay. You know, you your ego does not have to be heard about this because you're controlling them. So, you know, you're making all the calls mm. and, you know, you're directing mm. them, but it's not the, the initial way that the art lead or art director wanted to do it in the first place. And now they just feel like a glorified outsourcing manager for somebody else doing that fun, fun job that they want to do first. Uh, uh, so making sure that the, whoever is taking care of that communication, taking care of the planning, taking care of the vision, really likes to do it and cares for it. Uh, otherwise, that's just going to be like really, really, really critical feedback for the external artists, uh, just negative uh, communication and team building. And uh, these artists have feelings as well. Yeah. And uh, they, they'll start feeling like, no, I don't want to work for these guys. They, they don't even want us to be helping them. So um, make sure that you make the external partners be part of your team. I like the games industry is quite new so, so nobody really expects that we're here with each other for the next 20 years but if you look at hollywood as a model where, where all different studios are constantly coming together to make movies and they work together on their own in the 60s so you end up working together one way or another at some point anyway so so make sure that you know you're you're in good terms yeah that's a that's that's a very that's a very good point uh that's a, that's a you know fantastic point is like you have to be ready from the inside, and and their right motives for for doing it. Because if there's if the motives are wrong, then it's just going to screw up the whole process. Yeah, and uh, it's more more common than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. You know. Um, all right. So before I let you go, I want to kind of like summarize everything into a list of three. So. Shiraz, let's start with you. Like, what are the three most important elements everyone should keep in mind when outsourcing art? Um, setting clear expectations. I mean, what I mean by that is like defining the roles and responsibilities on both sides. Uh, so that's super important. Uh, having a good documentation, uh, again, very important. And giving timely feedback. That's one of the most important thing, uh, mm. especially the vendors appreciate it if that's happening. So... These would be my three things. Silver? Uh, my most important one is, are, are you and is your team having fun? Because we're still game makers in our heart. And, you know, we were super passionate about this. And we all want to make the game that, 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 that sparks joy in, in billions of people. And uh, the, the moment it just becomes a, just an, a grind uh, that everything else suffers in the artistic space, at least. Um, what are you learning from external partners? Because if you have to invest into an external partner, you might as well take some very critical skills out of them and incorporate the, the, that into your top core talent. So maybe in the future, you don't necessarily have to be less dependent on them, but you have that 
that growth now that you became stronger as well and you understand that so you don't have to have mm. that red red alert you can't lose them yeah. ever sort of a moment in you and um, are your external partners having fun as well because that shows in the work and uh Look for look for people who 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 care for the kind of games that you're making and the kind of products and the sort of genre as well. The moment uh, they don't understand the audience anymore, that also starts to make the artists bad. And no matter how you feedback, it won't fix it. Oh, that's uh, wise words from Silver. Uh, so fun, as as you understand on deconstructor, fun is really important. So so fun both internally as well as with external partner. Uh, that's uh, yeah. When when people are having fun, they do a better job, and when people are having fun, they're more creative, uh, and they solve problems better. So, one hundred percent, gentlemen. Thank you so much for for sharing all these insights. Um, I'll put in below in the podcast description uh, your LinkedIn profile. So, if people want to reach out, they can find you on LinkedIn. They can probably find you on ArtStation, and um, and um, yeah. Any anything on your side that that you want to promote? So Shiraz, you're probably hiring hard for Moon Active. Is that correct? Yeah, right. Uh, we hire artists all around the globe. So anyone who's suited to us and wants to work with us, just reach out. We can make it work. You're looking for all kinds of positions. Everything. I mean, our, our pipelines are from right from concept to production and. Uh, uh, obviously, we have the top talent. Uh, the the artists are really skilled, but it's a great culture where uh, you can learn and grow a lot, and fun to work from any country. So that's that's our model, and it has been uh, super nice so far. Yeah. So fully remote. Uh, well, we have people in Tel Aviv as well, and more offices. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, when there's a good talent that can work for us, uh, we don't mind the location. Got it. And does can everybody go to Troy and Horse as a unicorn yearly? Is that, is that something? Of perhaps. It, perhaps. Yeah. So that's up to negotiation. Um, Silver, um, what do you want to tell the, uh, the yeah. audience? Um, so uh, the, the, the Fantastic Vagabonds, we make the world's best gaming brands with the world's best people so if you have that uh, one million dollar bro- problem that needs solving maybe one of the vagabonds can help you out and uh, so always uh, reach out and silver we'll make something silver fun together. is currently in berlin he was in portugal next he's going to be in estonia so he's like a like a european spy just moving around in different cities so you can find him uh on this continent or on other continents with his fantastic team all right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mishka. <laughs> I always wanted to be a spy oh, as well. A spy so. is a good profession. I don't know these days, but uh, but it's yeah. like a second after art director. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, this is all the yeah. ruse. Yeah. I'm this thinking is... more like a James Bond type of a spy. I think the other yeah, real spy might not be that fun. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you again for to, to Silver. Thank you again to Shiraz for coming back on the podcast. And if there's any questions, just directly connect with the uh, with the final gentleman here and consider hiring vagabonds if you have big challenges to solve on your art side and consider applying to work with Shiraz at Moon Active because um, they're highly successful and Shiraz is a very, very good art director. <laughs> so so uh, on those notes, uh, thank you for listening and have a great rest of the day, rest of the week and um, rest of the sprint. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much, Mishka. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.